Rock, season four of the Telly Award-winning podcast. Standing in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America. Coming at you like Grammy snatching songstress Adele. Flat out refusing to buy Sylvester Stallone's $58 million Beverly Park Mansion unless he leaves the statue of Rocky out by the pool. I did not know that. Way to go, Adele. Awesome. I, I, I love her even more now. She's she's one of the rare people that has like a hundred percent approval rating, and it's maybe a hundred and two now or something like that. But good on you. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Adele fan, uh, Ring Award winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant Banjax and now Fashang Origins. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the right this time is. David Avaloni, uh, TV writer, comic book writer, and as of this week, uh, one twelfth of a Bram Stoker Award winner. Oh yeah, I saw that. The uh, uh, yeah, the anthology. Good on you, yes. man. Congrats. Yes. It if, goes well with my one four hundredth of an Eisner. Yeah, yeah. You should. Um, yeah, you're playing the fraction game. Now. Yeah, a lot, a lot of anthologies in my background. Yeah, the beauty of this is like if you collect a certain number of these, then like you can kind of put them together. It adds up to one award. Yeah, that's nice. I, I, I dig it. I'm sign me up for that. Uh, if you missed any of our, uh, uh, any of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many, many more, or Writers uh, Guild strike conversations with folks like Melody Cooper and Christopher Cantwell. Uh, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, uh, Apple Pods, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check everything out. Um, what else you got for us this week, uh, Avalone, before we dive uh, into our fun, fun, fun? Um, next week, the 28th, I think, the Elvira in Monsterland Part the Second drops. Issue one is out uh, currently. And uh, that's good fun. And if you are a holder of my comic books, particularly my Elvira comic books, CGC is doing a big signing with me and Cassandra Peterson, the real Elvira. And you should go to their website, find that thing, and send them the comics. And I will sign them for you, as will the real Elvira. What do you nice. got going on? Um, uh, I could tell you, but I, I'd have to kill you. Uh, I am, um, you know, I am in the deep end of the Immortal Studios Immortal Verse right now. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm moving and shaking and baking, and uh, we're prepping for this uh, dynamite launch in November. So, um, right, half half Shang have a couple other things going on with them. So uh, it's going to be fun. Check it out nice. soon. More more announcements to come. Uh, I did not win one thirty sixth of a Bram Stoker Award. I can yeah. tell you that much, or, or or whatever the fraction was. I don't mean to. Uh, it was one twelfth actually. One twelfth. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a lot better. Yeah. It was a it was a writing award. So I had originally thought it was like one thirtieth, but he's like, no, no, this was a writing award. So oh wow, okay. <laughs> no, it's but, good. Uh, it's, it's a great anthology, and you guys should go check it out. And, and Avalonie's story is um, is you. certainly an anchor. So um, yes, so, and I should mention that was for Kolshak, the Night Stalker, fiftieth yeah. anniversary. And I had the pleasure of writing the origin story of a TV character who premiered when I was seven years old. <laughs> so that was fun stuff. But let's bring in our guest, shall yeah, we? Let's quit, Gavin. Susan Hurwitz Arneson. How Hi. are you? Welcome to the show. Howdy, howdy. Hi. Good to see you again. Good to see you too. Welcome back. Tell the kids Thank at home you. a little bit about yourself. I am a TV writer producer, also write features. Um and I am the Sony Morning Luck Coordinator for the strike. Nice. Nice. 
Nice. Nice. So that's, we, we, uh, we brought management in. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. A lot of the, the strike captain. Um, and that's your part of town, right? That's near where you live. It is. Yeah. 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 I, I'm in uh, Culver City. So it was either they were going to assign me to Amazon or to Sony. And I got yeah. Sony, which is good because, well, I have worked on an Amazon show, but I've worked on two Sony shows. So, yeah. I kind of love yeah. that that's, you know, I'm not WGA and, you know, comic books are not striking. So I still yeah. have pages that I got to turn in. Um, but I love the fact that this, you know, the, the new paradigm. Uh, Gary Phillips reached out to me, a great crime writer, uh, novelist, and a TV writer, and said, "Hey, man, let's have lunch. Uh, let's. Uh, I'm in Culver City. Let's pick it in Amazon for a couple of hours, and uh, then we'll go to the We'll go to the diner and have, have some sandwiches. And I was, yeah. Great, you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. organizing my Become social the, life. The new, uh, instead of having coffee, let's or let's uh, just go for a regular walk. It's become the new. Yeah." I, 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 I love I love picketing dates, and then I love when you just kind of realize that you're sort of near a place. You know, I mean, I, 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 Evaloni's talked a, a number of times where it's like, oh, I'm here for an audition. Oh, wait, there's picketing two blocks down. Let me yeah. uh, let me pop in and then go. Um, the funny thing for me, I had a um, I had a doctor's appointment at the Toluca Lake Medical Center, um, mm -hmm. sure. which it. Uh, uh, well, no, that wasn't even the Toluca Lake one. It was it, it was one that was down the street from the Toluca Lake where they have all of the uh, the, the blood drawing and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and so I was I was literally across the street and a block and a half down from Disney. And so, and so I realized that I'm like, oh wow, okay, so I'll I'll go, you know, I'll pop in, I'll, I'll get some tests done, and then I'll pop across the street for a couple of hours and and yeah. and, and, and work yeah. a shift. And uh, you know, I thought it was so clever. And then I go in for my blood draw. And like, it's, you know, it's 15 WGA people, you know, and, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, blue shirts and credentials. And, you know, uh, yeah. uh, one woman has her sign up against the wall and, and <laughs> um, it, it was funny. And it's like, it, it, and I'm, I, I almost, you know, I almost wanted to take a poll. I'm like, okay, well, are, are you guys here? Did you guys come to get blood drawn? and then decide to pick it or were you picketing and you were realizing like, Oh, you know what? I, I could go in for a blood test. <laughs> yeah. I can go set that all up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how that works, but um, I think we try to find a balance between how can I have a life still and be on the picket lines? Yeah. yeah. Well, so sometimes yeah. that means like yeah. having to like, I'm going to scooch out for a second and just go over here and give him some blood and then I'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, tomorrow I have a similar thing where it's like, I have, I have the cable guy coming in the morning. And then yep. I have, and then I have to go out to Toluca Lake for an X-ray, and then I have to go out to um, uh, Van Nuys for an MRI, and and so the plan is uh, uh, deal with the cable guy, uh, drive out to Disney, uh, work uh, work a shift for about an hour and a half, uh, then go to get the X-ray, then pop out to Van Nuys, uh, get the MRI, and if there's time left, I'll come back to Disney. But we'll see. Yeah. That's well, that, I love your dedication. <laughs> that's that's how the days work, you know. I mean, I you're you're, you're already out. You're you're already out there. It takes a lot to drive out there. So when you're out yeah. there, get it in. Yeah. You know? Multitask. Every every hour counts. It oh, does, and everybody on the picket line counts big yeah. time, big time. Yeah. yeah, you can see you can definitely see which you. It, it's an interesting thing, like where people live. Yes. Like a yeah. lot of people live near Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think lot. a lot of people live in the valley. Yeah, a lot of people live now, and a lot of people I've never, I wouldn't have thought it would be a big one, but I think it's also there's a certain amount of what's the word I'm looking for, uh, hate, uh, that a lot of people make it to Netflix every day. Well, and I also, but I also think with Warner Brothers, it's like Zazoff has been like identified as like yeah. some cartoon fucking villain, super in his villain, best, yeah. in his 
like smirky face. So it's, um, you know, I think that th those two have sort of Netflix the place. And if there's a personification in a human being of yeah. everything, he seems to have become that. Yeah, I heard some report. You were probably at the meeting where there was there was a big WJ meeting at the beginning of the strike where they asked yes. everyone, like, who's yeah. the worst place to work? Boo! And everyone on stage said Netflix at the same time, like yeah. without without rehearsal, without anything. They all just went at Netflix and then went, yes. oh, you too, huh? That's yes. everybody. Yeah. 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 No, I think we all get it. Yeah. Like we're all I mean, I think if this has shown anything, we're all very much on the same page. Uh, which is good for Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, were you around for the 2007 strike? Where did you participate? I was working, but I was on South Park at the time, which was, which is uh, a non-guild. Uh, and at the time I was there, it was all non-union. And I don't, mm. I don't know if they're still that way now, um, but they were absolutely not guild. So I was around for it and we had just, in fact, they, we did an episode that was douching on the strike, if I remember correctly, Sounds called Canada like on Strike, mm -hmm. and um, which is so crazy now, considering how this strike is perceived versus that one. So mm -hmm. I, I went, I went out, you know, like pre WGA, and mm -hmm. went on pick lines, but also was at that giant um, thing down in Hollywood. They have the big rally down right. in Hollywood. We and, actually saw one of the picket signs still. <laughs> And South Park wasn't uh, Animation Guild either. They were completely no. non-union. Yeah, when I was there, there were nothing. There were no uh, non-union shop. I mean, no yeah. SAG, no, no anything. Yeah. I don't know now what they've done. If the you know if the animators are tag or yeah, I'm not sure. It's a, it's a hard. I mean, they're they're still libertarians. <laughs> so uh, yes, the right. the odds of them being pro labor are are sadly a little bit low. But uh, you mentioned that, and I think it's a it's a worthwhile thing to get into is like the difference of perception uh, between that strike, excuse me, and this one. Uh, how how do you see that? Because I know how it seems. You know, me. I was a little more on the outside last time, so you know, I don't think I could as succinctly talk about the issues that were being addressed at the time. Um, but I do remember a sense in the town of oh, just those you know, writers being assholes and, you know, doing right. the rabble rousing that writers do that we've got a reputation for since like 1930. Right. And, um, Schmucks so with it, it, was, it very much felt like the public was not on our side. We yeah. just were a bunch of rich people out there being selfish and shitty. And, um, I didn't feel like people identified with our issues because they felt very, um, much our issues, including other crafts and guilds within our profession, you know, within our mm -hmm. field. This time is very different. This yeah. is a fight. I did another, I did a different podcast. Sorry, cheated on y'all. Um, but That's I did okay. another podcast and um, one of the men that does podcast lives in Iowa. And he was saying even in Iowa now, they get mm -hmm. it because it's a classic tale that it's been told forever where there's been workers and there's been bosses, which is yep. there's these giant billion dollar corporations who are uh, trying to crush the, you know, the workers in order to continue to make millions and billions um, off of their labor for the few. And so yep. it's, it's become very clear. And I think we've, we've also done a really good job this time of making people realize that most of us, including myself, I rent, I don't own a home in LA. I can't afford that shit but I've been in this business for 15 years. So it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of us are either 
journeyman writers or were middle-class writers or were the younger version or like, you know, they're, they're even, you know, it's, it's more working class. It's just, it's a, it's, yeah. it's, we're not a bunch of rich fucks and mansions demanding billions of dollars. We're just literally asking for um, a tiny portion yeah. of the profits that our labor um produces and brings in millions for these corporations. Well, I, I, yeah, and I, I, I think you're, I think you're right on. And I think there are a number of things that have contributed to this, this, you know, this, this difference that you're talking about. And a lot of it is that there's just a lot more information out there now than yeah. there was back in 2007. I mean, we're, you know, <laughs> you get into the, the, yeah. the, the, the numbers. I mean, the, just the, the sheer amount of info and reading that we're taking in through our phones, it's double, triple, quadruple, 10 times what it was back then. So, yeah. So, so people are, they're getting the facts, you know, what they do, what they then do with them, uh, uh, is another thing. Um, so there's that, there is, uh, the fact that the guild and, and, and the guild leadership, guild communications, they've done a very good job, yes. uh, clearly yep. defining, clearly stating our case. Um, and so hats off to them. Uh, it's been wonderful. I think, um, on the other side of that, um, the producers made a, uh, uh, a big misstep with this radio silence thing. Um, uh, yeah. and, and, and I don't know that they could have made a good case, but you know, if, if, if some of the politicians that, uh, that, that we trip over every day can, can make their cases and convince people, I'm convinced that some of these, you know, smart, uh, uh producers could have made a, a case that some people would have bought. Uh, but they chose radio silence. And I think that that, that has been yeah. very, very damaging. And yeah, I, think, I think it's, there's, I'm sorry, David. No, um, go ahead. They, um, I think that part of it is that they're taken aback a bit by the anger and the frustration and the amount of um, unity between cross union um, because they, do, I don't know how much they had their finger on the pulse of, the shared issues among workers, whether it's, yeah. you know, a, a person who's working for a hotel, who's cleaning rooms, or it's a writer who writes a television show that people consume. The issues are very similar on some levels. Um, obviously we're, we're making more, we're, we're stuff like that, but the, the same issue is being able to make a living and live in the town where you make a living. Yeah. And um, that's a pretty universal thing. And I don't think that they, I think they've been consistently shocked at and were unex, weren't expecting, um, what's happened. I think they were very much in their head still in the 2000 playbook. Yeah. And we have a very young, vibrant membership that's yeah. pissed. Yeah. And you can see, you can see the, yeah. tr you can see, however, there's still a degree of collaboration coming from the trades when you get oh, headlines yeah. like you know writer <laughs> strike delays next star wars movie yes. no no yes no amptp recalcitrance delays next star wars right. movie that is the headline yes you know yeah yeah and i don't want to miss you know what you know another great point that that susan made in there is that i think that um in 2007 this felt like um, like a sports strike almost, you know, when, when you have, when you have NBA players arguing with, you know, you have, you yeah. have NBA players who have hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars fighting with owners who have billions of dollars. Like, you know, it's, you know, you know what, work it out assholes, you know, fuck you yeah. guys. We want to see basketball. And, exactly. and, and, and that's what it felt like in 2007. It's millionaires arguing with, with billionaires or whatever. 
Um, and I think that a lot of these things, one, the guild getting the message out to, uh, you know, this new information age upon us is that yes. we writers have been humanized and, and normalized where where I, I, I think a lot of it is uh, TV is such a it's such a bigger part of the industry of the business now. Um, and so, you know, a lot more writers are in the trenches with with, you know, other union members. Yes. Um, and, and it feels like we're one big family and that we're together in this and that we make all this stuff together. And that's how we treat it. That's not, that's not yeah. how the people above us treat it. And I think that that's a very important thing. Another thing, you know, pat on the back to us shows like this, because nobody ever knew what a fucking writer was back in 2007. Yeah. And now, now, now people like you come on, people like Christopher Cantwell come on. David and I sit here every week and 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 we tell you what it's like to be a writer, right? And and, yeah. and to, li to live that life. And we are working stiffs, like you said, who rent and who have to qualify for insurance every year. And, um, and you know, uh, and we are out of work right now and we're suffering and, yeah. and, 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 it's, and, and it's scary. And I think yeah. people see that and relate to that. It is, yes. yeah. And I yeah. think that there's also like, you know, I don't think any of us are, you know, we understand, you know, whenever I see a comment like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a set dresser and whatever it is, and I'm out of work and fuck you writers, you know, my response to that is, as you, one of you guys has just said is, you know, it is, it's not us, it's the corporations, but it's also like, if you look at this action and you look at these corporations that were allowed to just eat other ones and become these enormous fucking monsters, if you look at them, and you think they're in the right, you're on the wrong fucking side, right? Yeah. Because if you're looking at writers trying to make a living and you're blaming us versus these giant billion dollar corporations who could give two fucks about human beings, unless yeah. you're on Wall Street and you think it's us, not them, then you, you're rooting for the villain. And yeah. I have to wonder if one of the things that makes this narrative easier to sell is I feel like in the past, what is it now, 16 years since 2007, <laughs> uh, that I think the American workplace has degenerated yes. enormously. And there was a minute there where you could be a dude, usually a dude, who'd work for a company for 40 years, and at the end you'd get a gold watch, and they'd give you a year's severance and blah, blah, blah. That's a, like... Corporations yeah. have been stabbing their workers in the back across every sector of business. And I think that thing where the worker thinks, well, I, you know, I've been a GM for 20 years. I owe it to GM to give them a month's, uh, you know, notice before I quit. I think that's dead. The idea, yeah, that, I think that the idea that your the boss 80s. has any loyalty <laughs> to you. It was always yeah. a lie. Honestly, but yep. they used to do a better job of pretending they gave a shit about you. And now they nakedly don't give a shit about you ever. And it's, yeah, I think, I, I think yes, what happened right after the last writer's fight, yeah. 2008, when the stock market crashed, right after our last strike, I think that was the moment a lot of workers learned, oh, they don't, they will throw me on a fire pit to keep their $20 million a year uh, salary. They will cut my $50,000 a year job yes. and write themselves a $100 million bonus check. People yeah. saw that across industries. And I think, and the other thing I think is the, uh, mo the most obvious difference is 
social media that writers didn't yes. have the ability to be posting pithy jokes and explaining the strike. And, you know, I remember going to strike days in 2007 and I, you know, someone would call me on a phone and say, Hey, we're, we're doing Star Trek day at Paramount tomorrow. You want to come down? Oh yeah, sure. That sounds great. Like yeah. there was no, like there was no website to go to, to tell me where to pick it the next day. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think we've seen this across, you know, not only with us, but, you know, you've seen it happen with political movements across the globe where yeah. social media has played a major part in, you know, helping people to organize. So, and it is, and that's part of the reason, like those shitty headlines that you were talking about in, in the trades um, that they come out and they're, they're so clearly spun. And then you see them rewritten, you know, 1600 times over by, you know, writers, um, mm -hmm. all across the internet. So it's, and that pushback was not available to us. There no. was no way to like for a thousand people to ratio a tweet from variety and go, right. this is bullshit, man. Change yeah. really? This is nonsense. Yeah. And our young members are fucking good at it. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm trying, but I'm, like I said, I'm Gen X. I'm never going to be as good as some of our, and they are, they are really, they're, they're bold and they're strong and they're smart and they know how to use the tools that they've grown up with. And it's pretty remarkable. I got to say the strike compared to what I remember from 2007 I mean, I know it's a little bit the fog of memory, but 2007, I remember, you know, me and a hundred other old Jewish guys out there with signs on our shoulders. Like I, I don't, I don't remember seeing, uh, there were no young black women out there marching with like, no. cause they didn't exist. They weren't in the, they weren't in the field. They hadn't changed those jobs. And I go out on these, yeah. on the pickets today and it's lovely, incredibly young and incredibly diverse. And I'm like, man, I didn't know the WGA yeah, actually lovely. was this diverse right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, and that's, we want to keep that going. And, and with the changes, you know, mini rooms and things like that, it hits right at the heart of young writers, diverse writers, writers um, from underrepresented backgrounds whose voices, mm -hmm. you know, should be heard and need to be heard. Um, when you cut back on room size, that's one of the things that happens. And it's not because, you know, as a showrunner, like I want to hire those people, but if I'm only allowed two people and, you know, five weeks, 10 weeks, 20, whatever, to break an entire season and write it, then, you know, it's it's hard to bring in younger writers um, mm -hmm. with that sort of pressure. And that needs to stop because it's wrong. I mean, yeah, it's it's it, it hits right at the heart of um, all of those young writers. Um, and it's like it's like Javi always it's like Javi always talks about you know showrunner yeah. is a job for making television it's also a job for training the next generation Absolutely. of showrunners Absolutely. And if you're not doing that you're not you're you're dropping your the institutional yeah. memory of how we do this <laughs> goes away forever yeah you which know, is you know another part of the mini room start going away yeah, yeah. it it you know the, the thing about the the rise of the mini room um, which there's multiple different versions of it, but, you know, is it's twofold. It, it affects the people at the top in terms of you're getting paid less than your quote, you're getting paid the bare minimum, and then you're expected to do every aspect of the show by yourself. Yep. That's upper level fight. Lower level fight, mid-level fight is the, we're supposed to be training them on how to do this. And I personally love being able to do that and to mentor. And, mm -hmm. um, 
we're not training the next generation of people on how to be on set. We're not, we're not giving them the, the training wheels and the support and the knowledge to become powerful showrunners. So ultimately, you know, we're, we're fucking the quality of the product. We're fucking the quality of the people. We're not training and that's got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. No. And the, and, and walling writer, the concept, I understand the, the attraction of like, you get the whole season written and then you send the writers home and then you make the whole season. Um, but then you get a bunch of people on set who have no idea why a line was written. They can't call the room and say, what, what is this scene? I'm sorry. What is this scene about? Why is this scene in here? What does this right. mean? What did you mean when you wrote these words? Even if the showrunner is still there, if you've got well, eight scripts, the showrunner may not remember. Well, the showrunner the can't be there because the reality yeah. is that the showrunner and most shows, you know, coming from the shows that I've worked on, yeah, um, which is, you know, single cam stuff. So half hour and one hour. So like the chicken preacher, you know, you are shooting in blocks. So you're shooting yeah. two episodes at the same time. Right. And so the one block is being prepped as the other is being shot. So if it's just the showrunner, who's supposed to be on set. Now, if you're also, you know, you're shooting with two units, right? So you have first unit, second unit, and right. maybe second unit's doing a giant, you know, um, action sequence, but mm -hmm. you have to be, but there's a love scene over here. So like, where are you supposed to be? Are you supposed right. to be in prep? Are you supposed to be on set with that love scene? Are you supposed to be on set for that giant action scene? Oh, but now also, things are starting to go into post. So you're supposed to be in post too. So how right. is one fucking showrunner supposed yep. to do that? It's the dumbest thing. And it, and it's, it's, it, it feels <laughs> like people who have no idea how, how their product is made. Yeah. It's a, it's like, a TV is a team sport and, and they're not yes. treating it that way. It's like, Hey, 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 LeBron, you're, you're a pretty damn good basketball player. Why don't you go out there alone? We, 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 we don't want to pay the other guys. How about we'll, 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 we'll pay you a little bit more. You just yeah. go out there and you you and take care of five Phoenix. other guys. On you the you on take the care of Phoenix yourself. You got it. You're the, yeah. you're the second best player ever. You got it. Right. The, yeah. the, the okay. shows that do so well are <laughs> yeah. the the collaboration from writer to actor to crew to all the artisans that come together in order to create this vision and this product works best when we all work together. And if mm -hmm. you start pulling pieces out then you, I mean, you just might as well just throw your money in the street and burn it at that point because your yeah. product is going to be terrible. Yeah, I, no, I, 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 I do think it's funny too. It's it, it's 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 somebody that doesn't really understand how the machine works that goes in and starts yanking part, parts that out. That's, classic, that's, they don't know how the, you know, how the is made. Eh, we don't need this, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, and I'm a big, I mean, I'm a big believer. I always evangelize for no matter what you do in show business, in production, in, in film or TV, understand all the parts, man. If you're an actor, understand editing, understand, like know what's going on. And a writer particularly has to know what's going on and has to know how production works. It's nice sometimes, Kurosawa once said, you should always have a partner who has no idea how movies are made because they'll suggest impossible things that would never occur to you. You know, like, yeah. you know, you're you who have been on a movie would never sit down and write the scene where the labor protest at night on the docks happens in the rain. You'd go, no, right. that sounds like the most unpleasant night of my life. There's no and also way super expensive. <laughs> yeah. Expensive and really like, I don't want to be out in the rain with the extras. That's horrible. But sometimes right. you need someone who's like, no, but it'll be really amazing. Uh, but I think mostly 
knowing what the challenges are, knowing what you're going to be up against. And, you know, uh, my wife's in 705. She's a costumer and she was working on a Star War. And the, the, you know, the ADs would call down and say, we're going to throw 30 more people on set. And she's they like, you want us to go down to Target and buy 30 Star Wars costumes that are available in an hour? What what are they going to wear? You know, they they need Star Wars clothes. Those right. aren't just around. <laughs> you know, we actually have a whole department of people making those clothes, you know, and you get a certain degree of, you know, and I'm not going to say those shows are made by amateurs. They're not. No. But there's a certain degree of, um, you know, producers who don't know what the challenges are, who you know, who are like, no, bring us 50 more stormtroopers. There are 30 stormtrooper uniforms owned by right. Lucasfilm. That's it. So yeah. I think it's I think it's actually 20. Like you want more than 20 stormtroopers, you're calling in fans with costumes. That's the only way to do it. But she said you'd get these calls. It's like, oh, we're adding 20 people to the scene. How how would how are you planning to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so you, you know, the more people know what's going on, even if you know, if you're going to suggest something impossible, it's at least good that you know that it's impossible. That you know, yeah. okay, this is going to be a big challenge, yes. you know. And that you sort of address that in prep. Yeah. Exactly. And you don't, and you, you don't face a scene and go, oh, we need 20 more bodies on this set that we didn't know right. about yesterday. Right. How did you not, the set was built yesterday. Right. How did, how did no one walk in there and look around and go, oh, this is going to require 70 people. Uh, this is going to look empty. Yeah. yeah this is going to be bad. Uh, how yeah. can we shoot this so that you're not seeing all of this blank space? You know, there's just the, I've worked with people who were um, not familiar with how movies are made and what all of the challenges are. And it's a, you know, I, I, there was a period when I worked on indie films forever and ever and ever. And I felt like I was teaching film school a lot because, you know, there was some very ABC stuff, but I came up, I was a grip for four years. I was an AD for years and years and years. I was a script supervisor. Like I learned what the challenges are. I learned yeah. what the problems are Yeah. and there's nothing that can't be done. You just, again, you, you need a bunch of smart people in the room when the script is being broken and you need a bunch of smart people in the room when that script is prepped to say, have you thought about the fact that this room will need 70 people in it that you've right. described? And then you need the, you know, it, it is that thing about, you know, writing isn't just sitting in front of a computer and typing. Mm -hmm. Writing is breaking in the room. Writing is sitting and writing script. Writing is being on set and seeing things that aren't working and talking to your actors and rewriting on the fly or fuck, the scene isn't going to work running up to, you know, your office to write a whole new scene. It's sitting mm -hmm. in post and going, I have all this shit and it's not working. How am I going to write it so that it's this way in post? So it's writing happens the whole way through. Oh yeah. And so writers need to be on set and writers coming up need to be trained to write the whole thing. Yeah. Um, especially in television. And mm. we can't do that if we can't get young writers into the writer's room with us. Yeah. And, and, to be, and to be able to look at the footage with honest eyes and say, yes, that's what you wrote, but we didn't capture that. That right. was not How what do we, we do filmed. This? How do we write and this now that we're now? sitting in an edit bay, 
you need a solution that doesn't require the thing in your head that you wrote yeah. on a piece of paper that nobody bothers yeah, to sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to drive it home, to drive it home, this negotiation, this fight is very much about like what the definition of of the the writing job is. You know, I mean, I I, I think the 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 producers they are uh, they are content to be like, oh well. Writing is, you know, you lock yourself in a room, you write the script, and as soon as you write the end and turn it over to somebody, then that's the end of your job. Right, but that's not what's in the MBA currently. I mean, yeah, and that's, yeah. you know, there are things that are covered yeah. by our MBA. Just like, yeah. you know, the directors, you're not, there's certain rules about what directors can do and whatever. Their writers have that as well. And um, those protections already exist, but yeah. it is right well, now. Yeah, it, yeah, and they keep they keep chipping away at them. They're trying to chip away Absolutely. at them as as much as possible. And and I guess what we're talking about is we are talking about another pass. Another pass makes it better, no matter yes. what. Or or, yeah. or 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 it or it or, or or it better meets the reality, right? Yeah. Um, that's the thing. And 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 another pass can be the difference between it making something good, great. Making something well, not I mean, so good, good. Making something that, that doesn't work, work. Yeah. All of these things. Yes. Yes. One of the things that's come up a lot in the strike, which I'm very happy about, is people coming up with examples of things that were hurt by the strike. Mm. The difference between a first draft and a fifth draft is the difference between Quantum of Solace and Casino Royale. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Quantum of Solace went into, went into production with one draft because the writer's strike happened. And they couldn't punch it up. They couldn't make it better. They couldn't go, oh, uh, really? This movie just ends with James Bond and the guy punching each other in an exploding hotel. That's the big ending. Okay, I guess, I guess, I guess we're just gonna go with that because no one's are. We can't turn to a Tom Mankiewicz or a Richard Maybaum and go this. And I think about that too. About all of the things where you go, oh, the first draft of this movie ended this way, and that's not what we ever saw that's right. you know that's that's the thing they talk about in the commentary about Woo, thank god we thank god we didn't do that thing yeah you know thank yeah. god we didn't even bother to shoot that and we came up with this other thing and you know that's uh but yeah filmmaking is not it you know no writing and no creation of art is really all that you know you you, you work on part one and then you're done and then someone else comes in and works on part two and then they're done it's like that's never it is an ongoing, yeah. you know, I don't want to say collapsing star, but it is this thing that's, you know, it's a moving train and yeah, it's absolutely. not, and, yeah. you know, Television. and production is laying track in front of a moving train, which is always yeah. why there's always that degree of hysteria to it, but. Mm-hmm. that's where that's where the magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. And television specifically, I mean, um, the, the writer, on set has the vision of the showrunner has the vision of has that overarching view of the whole thing versus we're doing these two episodes right so any decision that's made not saying actors are going to change things but sometimes they do they say something wrong it could have a domino effect that fucks up the whole season or reveals something before specific you know what i mean only the writers who've been in the room who have broken the season who have you know, gone through in the room, this, 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 no, yes, yes, no, no, no. And seeing, we already tried that didn't work. This is why it doesn't work. We're going to do this. You know, like all that has been is, is what the writer has when they come to set is the knowledge of that and the ability to keep it on path um, with a view towards, you know, where it's headed. And 
really the writer in television is the only one who truly has that yeah. and yeah. they need to be there. Yeah. And, 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 and we're talking about, I mean, we, we are, we are just chipping away at, I mean, what you're talking, we're talking about, okay, well, we're not going to pay for writers to be, uh, you know, on, on, on set. Right. You know, uh, uh, Melody Cooper uh, was telling us a few weeks ago about how um, she was on a show. I won't name the show. I won't name the studio, but um, they were not going to pay for the writers to be on set. So the writers actually had to pay to fly themselves out yes. to put themselves up because yes. they, they cared that much about the final product, which is, you know, yes. a, a, again, a, a testament to, to how much skin we have in this game, how much, you know, we, we, we put into that. So you're, you're, <clears throat> you're talking about pulling that back already, which, which is detrimental, right? Yes. Um, you were talking about, um, you're talking about putting fewer people in rooms, which means fewer people that have this sort of bird's eye, uh, whole pie view of of the season, of of the piece of art, right? Um, so let's let's say they are going to put people on set, but uh, but we're only going to have a handful of people in the room instead of the ten people in the room that we really need. So that's cutting down on bandwidth, right? It's like you're saying, yeah, well, 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 yeah. These five people now each have. 20 things to do instead of 10 people having a handful of things to do that they can do very well, yeah. uh, that, that, that they can talk to each other about, that they can check in with the showrunner about. They're not leaving things to the last minute. All of this thing, all, all of these things chip away at the quality, um, chip away at the quality control, chip away at the sanity of these people. Sanity, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's time. I mean, there's, I mean, I've seen these ridiculous stories of like, People want an entire season broken and written in 10 weeks. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. Yeah. Like, that's insane. And what they're trying to force with that is for writers to go, well, I'm just going to I'm just gonna go home and I'm going to write this on my own. But yeah. that's against guild rules, right? Yeah, if I'm right. writing this script for this show, you're paying me my fucking weekly. And yeah, that's right. what they're trying to get rid of. And, yeah, yeah. you know, as writers, we're, we're very vested not only in the product we're creating, but especially in television, we become families very quick in writer's rooms. It's amazing how within a few weeks you're like, I've known these people forever. This is amazing. This is my family because you're spending most of your time with them and mm -hmm. we have each other's backs. And so we want to go above and beyond to protect each other and to protect the show. But by doing it, we're also fucking ourselves because now they expect us to do that and yep. they want us to do that. And they're, they're they're counting on us doing that and you know the, the reality is none of these people on the other side would show up for work if they weren't getting paid yeah. yep yeah. who does and it, 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 it very much is a we we give them an inch we give them an inch we give them an inch and then and they just and, and they've taken they've taken a mile and and, and then uh, yep yeah. and then boarded up that mile and they weaponize how much you give a shit yeah. they count yes. on you giving yeah. a shit to, the first script writing job I ever had for a semi-famous uh, exploitation movie director, he hired me to be his writing assistant and to type for him. And we beat out the story together. And then we started writing this, the script together page by page. And I went off to type up the first 11 pages. And I just kept going and wrote 20 pages. And I was the thing that still cracks me up is I was embarrassed. That I, I not embarrassed because I had fallen for the trap, embarrassed that I had exceeded my purview. And of course, I came in with my 20 pages. He read them and he said, go home and finish it. Why should I kill myself writing this thing? You're 25. You care. You want this thing, thing to be good. You go write it. You know, and I did. And I did two movies with that guy. Yeah. Uh, and it was worth it.
but I was literally writing a screenplay to a feature film that was made, that came out, that was very profitable uh, for $400 a week for 10 weeks, maybe. No, not even. Yeah. Wow. I think I, I wrote the original script for $2,000. Wow. I, 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 I've seen that inch taking thing happen, you know, over time in the feature business. Um, you know, my mm -hmm. first, Oh God. When, when I first, yeah. I mean, when I first started doing it, you know, 15 years ago, you got three step deals. That was, that yeah. was the normal and the standard and, and they paid and, you. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and I I just saw it get chipped away at and chipped away at and chipped away at. And now, you know, now I got people coming to me with one step deals and 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 um and a, a producer's draft, it was always a thing, you know, back in back in 2007, it was a thing, right? But but it was factored into the the math of the whole deal. If I already got paid for three drafts and they're like, hey, can you can you punch this up? I mean, right. you, you know, it's it's a slippery slope, but yeah, okay. You pay me for three right. drafts, and, and and I don't I don't want you bringing in someone else to to screw it up. It's it, it's it, it's it's this thing we're talking about. They weaponize you caring so much about it. They yes. we, they weaponize the fact that well, they could bring in another writer. That writer could could write enough to share a credit with you, uh, and then that takes Which half ultimately fucks you financially. It, Not yeah, only credit wise, it, it, but it comes back to bite yeah. you in the ass in terms of you know what you get. It takes half your bonus. It takes your half your bonus away on the back end, yeah. and so and so you need to protect that, right? And and you also you want to make sure these things get made. Um, so it's like they're saying, hey, if we can just clear this one hurdle, we'll we'll make this thing. Um, so you have all of the re those reasons to do it. Producers drafts they they were a thing, but it it was it was okay. It was reasonable. It was a reasonable ask for one producer's mm -hmm. draft when they already paid you for three. Um, nowadays. You know, again, they've chipped away at this over the years, and uh, we're only going to pay you for one draft, and then they want a yeah. producer's draft, right? Well, there are already two drafts that you haven't paid me for. I'm not doing one for free. Um, yeah. Okay, well, we'll find somebody else. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 find the young writer's assistant making four hundred dollars a week, and we'll have him do it. Uh, um, and uh, and who knows what the script looks like afterwards? Um, and 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 it's uh, you're being held hostage in a way, and it's evil and it's awful. And it leads to unhappy people and poor quality products and all of these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 we are really far down that hole right now. And yes. I and I don't think we all realized how quickly we fell and how far it went we fast. Fell. Yeah. It went. Yeah. It's like I think on the feature side as well as the TV side. I mean, I think the feature side. It's it's um, it's it's been there for quite a while. Um, and getting worse. And then the TV side joined in the slide. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awful. I mean, the amount of uh, my, my, one of my, my favorite quotes from the negotiation was that we don't, we don't ask people to do free work. It's collaboration. I'm like, I'm sorry. Are you still getting a paycheck? Cause yeah. I'm not. So yeah. how is this like, come yeah. on. That, that one made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. No, they, they like, like we've been saying, they, they expect you to do it for me because you love it. They don't love it. They don't care. You know, yeah, and also, I mean, it's, it's and also they're professional, right? Yeah. You got hired to do a job. You want to do your job. Well, you, you care about the product. You care about your reputation in this business It's a small town. You get a reputation for being an asshole or a pain, you know, that comes and bites you in the ass. So it's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons why writers, you know, try to do the job they they initially signed on to do and um 
a lot of them are reasons that come from being professionals and people that give a shit about the things that we create. Um, and that's not a bad quality to have. It's a no, bad it's, quality it's to take advantage thing. of. And yeah, and it's a terrible thing to beat out of people. Yes. Like it's a particularly bad idea that you have, you know, imagine you owned a, a, a bakery and you made it so that your pastry chef hated baking <laughs> and was bringing yes. in and was doing the job unhappily. The cookies are going to be shit, guys. That like, and then you're going to lose the, your customers. Yeah, the, the day's going to come that the croissants will not be flaky, and no one will come back to your bakery. <laughs> right. And that's uh, you know that that's my metaphor for today because I'm a writer and we we deal in metaphors. <laughs> uh, the day is going to come when the croissants will not be flaky. Yeah, and that sad sad day. And that's the you know, and I but I do think that you know there's. It's hard because they they're resistant to learning the lesson. Uh, they will they will throw twenty writers at a half baked idea, make a shitty movie with no vision, and it will come out and flop at the box office. They'll blame the movie star. They'll blame the marketing. They'll they'll never blame. You know, Wonder Woman eighty four. I remember watching that at home because we all were watching it at home. Yeah. In the opening, I'm trying to remember the name of the screenwriter of the first one, Alan. It's something like Heisenberg. I, I can't remember. But the name missing from the credits of the sequel was the guy who wrote the first one. Sure. And I was like, what convinced all of you people you didn't need that guy? <laughs> like, Gal Gadot is great. Patty Jenkins did a great job. Chris Pine did a great job. They're not why the movie was great and why people enjoyed it. Alan Heinberg, by the way. Alan Heinberg. Shout that was out. It. We, we credit people on the show. We credit, and I guess <laughs> it's that thing, it, and you've seen it happen with successful franchises more often than once, where the, the auteurs wake up and go, well, we don't need Alan Heinberg. He's dead weight. And, who you know, for all I know, he had a disagreement with Schneider and walked off the picture. I have no idea why he's not in that. I don't want to claim to know something about it. I not, but I will claim that watching that movie three minutes in, I knew it probably wasn't going to be as good as the first one. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, like, well, the, the heart and soul of the enterprise, the person who made scene one come after, you know, come before scene two is gone. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's historically in this town, if, if you're into Hollywood history and I'm a yeah. history dork, um, and I am, is from the get-go, the writer has been pushed down um, and denigrated. And back in the day, it was because people from my tribe, these uneducated ragmen who found yeah. a business they were allowed to do and turned it into an empire, um, had, you know, smart, book-learned people were a threat and weren't great and tended to be a little lefty and all of these things that scared, you know, these men um, that had come up and created this business. And, and that precedent has been set yeah. for decades, for a hundred yeah. years. And, um, and it, it's still very pervasive and you see it all the time where it's, you know, it's the director, the director, the director, but I will say it now and I will continue to say it. And I have always said it, which is nobody in this town has a fucking job if a writer first doesn't create something from nothing. Oh, absolutely. And oh. and that is everybody from the exec 
to the president of the company, to, you know, whoever's working wardrobe or makeup or is, you know, a non everybody starts oh, yeah. with the script except for us. And so for people that are, you know, that, that thing from that, that came out with that anonymous Apple exec who was like, great, or sink through the center of the universe. I'm like, no, we just know that without us, like, what, what are you shooting? Like, I would what say we're, the, we're, not the, we're not, we're not no the center. Business. We're not the center of the universe. We're the big bang. That's what I, that was my tag. That was my, oh, was uh, really? that was, that was <laughs> my tweet. The, we're not center of the universe. We're the big bang. Yeah. It all starts with us, including that guy's job. And, yeah. um, and that's the truth. And I, and I think, and that's not being cocky and that's not being an asshole. It's just being realistic and asking for the respect and the paycheck that goes with, creating an industry and a product that employs, you know, millions and entertains millions around the world. So um, I don't think we're crazy to ask for, I think it's two cents on the dollar um, of the profits that these giant corporations are making. No, I, I completely agree. I do want to say that I have one historical aside that made the business a little, I think, better in the 30s when it was the rag traders. They they really wanted to be accepted by those intellectuals yeah. that they hated and feared. And so as much as they resented it, yes, they paid F. Scott Fitzgerald a zillion dollars to come out here and write scripts yes. and William Faulkner and yes. Dashiell Hammett. Like yes. they gave all of those guys jobs. I see Ryland, but he is frozen. Yeah, oh, I don't see him. I saw him drop out, but yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's just ball. that 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 desperation to be uh like I, I noticed once looking at the uh looking at the other books available in the back of one of the earliest American paperbacks that virtually every one of those books was turned into a movie. Right. There's Ryland. Ryland. There we go. Wow. Technology. Just just talking we were talking a little bit about uh uh, just doing a historical footnote about uh, writers being uh, about the the early moguls at least having a foot in the world of we want to be respected we want to we we also want this to be an art form so let's make some Shakespeare pictures you yeah, know let, let's uh you know my favorite my favorite thing that comes out of that syndrome is the Warner Brothers. How many pages is Crime and Punishment? 400 pages, 500 pages, 90 minutes. Marlena Dietrich, Peter Laurie, Von Sternberg. He kills her with an ex. He's he's nervous for an act, and then he's arrested. You know, like it's, yeah. like, it's very like we can boil we can boil Dostoevsky down to a tight 90 minute Warner's crime picture. Yes. Because that's that's what we do here. You know? yes. And uh I have such a great affection for that school of filmmaking. I thought, what is it? It doesn't need to be three hours long. It's what a, he kills yeah. a lady and he gets arrested. I don't see why that should have to take forever. Like, yeah, totally. But, but, uh, but yeah, I think uh, now you do definitely have that tier of the Oscar bait movie is certainly a thing. Uh, and they do still want to be, um, they do still, they do still want awards. And, the, but it, you know, now it's basically just, Movies that will make a billion dollars and movies that might win Oscars. And that's it. Yeah. And Ryland and I have talked about this before, but I think the entire 90s independent film movement is now on 
television is now streaming yes. video. Yes. Anybody yeah. who was an auteur yes. in the 90s is now making TV shows because it's the other thing is too hard. Well, yeah, and it's yeah, that, and it's also the fact that you know, if, if you were if you were a writer director in the '90s, that's a different thing. But if you were just a writer, yeah, you know, the television, and they're trying to obviously chip away at this. But in television, the writer is is right. king, and and has you know, hence the showrunner position. Yeah, and yeah. showrunners hire director. You know what I mean? So it's it's you know, I think they're 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 trying to chip away at that stuff. You know, head writer. And you're yeah. not the showrunner anymore and yeah. things like that. So um, I think as a writer, it made sense to move to television because it's a better life for a writer. Yeah. Or was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's no. And, that you know, and that's the thing I, you know, I came out of a, 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 a very artsy, crafty film school um, and, you know, believed very much in, film is the vision of one person and boy have i evolved out of that in my old age not that um i think there are filmmakers who have who are writers and directors and who have an elegant control over the whole beast sure there are Absolutely. maybe four or five people like that on this earth uh and the rest of them are propped up by everyone that works with them and makes them look good. And that's also a perfectly fine thing. But we have this idea, you know, even in television of, you know, the great man without whom the thing cannot be done, you know, the solo, the solo genius artist. And that's just not, that's not how stuff got made. Yeah. And if you're not willing to listen to the PA when they say, wouldn't it be cool if, yeah. Like if that's a good idea and it comes from the craft service guy, you're a shitty filmmaker if you go, well, that wasn't my idea, so I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? In my in my 15 years in this business, there's never been a time when um getting other people's like that that working with other people collaboratively hasn't made the thing a better thing. Yeah. Whether well, it's a writer, whether it's yeah. your prop that whatever it is that that collaboration that like it 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 we all rise with it and and there's i've yeah it's it makes everything better and to say I, it I, doesn't uh, is um makes no sense to me yeah yeah and i i still even think that the you know the idea of an auteur is just a it's a fallacy i mean i i've you know i i worked for martin scorsese briefly when i was in new york i worked for hal hartley i worked for oliver stone these are these are uh, these are auteur people and yes they have a a very unique vision and they have a way of um uh you know communicating that vision very clearly to people and and but i think more than anything people like that the martin scorsese's of the world they're they're very good managers and they're very good communicators you know uh uh marty didn't make any of those films alone he found brilliant actors to collaborate yeah. with uh that would understand what he was trying to do and 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 he could hand them the ball and they would take it 10, 20, 30, 40 more yards. Uh, he found the best DP. He found uh, the, uh, the, the best editor. Um, and 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 they, they understood what he was going for. And he didn't have to worry about the work that they were doing because he knew that he knew that they understood uh, where he was coming from. And he knew that they would bring him back stuff that was better than he had and he could conceive of on his own. Right. Yeah. Um, and so to a certain degree, when you watch those people work, um, it's like 
it is like a good TV show. You know, it is like a prestige TV show. It is, uh, um, it takes a village. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, I, I was, you know, I, 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 I worry about wading too far in these waters because, because Oliver Stone is, uh, you know, he's, uh, uh, polarizing. Um, but I was, I was next to him almost the entire time that he prepped any given Sunday. And, uh, and I was in the rooms with, with the DPs and with the editors and with the actors. And I just watched the collaboration and I watched how they built this world together. Um, and, and as forceful and as like egomaniacal as he can be, um, you know, all of those people there, I, I watched the movie and there are the fingerprints and, and, and sort of meaningful contributions of literally hundreds of people in that movie. Um, and, 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 and for it to be, to say an Oliver Stone film is, is, you know, it's almost, um, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it, you know, it, again, it's almost fallacious, you know, yeah. because, because well, I, wa- I watched a, I watched a city of people build that, that movie. Uh, yeah. Um, and with pretty damn good results, you know? Yeah. yeah. And my, my favorite example, and Rylan's heard me do this before, but you know, I always say the Phantom Menace has one screenwriter. Uh, Fellini's eight and a half has four. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like weigh the results. Federico Fellini was willing to sit in a room with three other guys and go, so what do you think, what happens to him at the spa? Like what, right. what should, what should, what should, okay. So Claudia shows up, then what, what do you think, Ennio? You know, what, what do you, you know, yeah. the, the, the ability to, you know, and the camera is always where he wants it and his films have a, have a unity to them that is undeniable, but also his best written films are, have, there's no his best written films are not the ones that only have his name on them yeah. you know that yeah. is just a, that and if you know whenever people talk about like oh well Aaron Sorkin it's like if Federico Fellini can listen to four other guys to make the greatest films ever made Aaron Sorkin could probably use to have a little input like it's, it's yeah I, I would never want to do it I mean I think there are writers that that love the idea of doing it alone I'm not that person because again I I I love I love being in a writer's room. I miss it very much right now. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea. I love watching when something hits and somebody grabs it and takes it and molds it a slightly different. Now it's better. And then somebody circles back to something like that, that energy that um, watching something get created and get bigger and better and stronger and tight, like is, is amazing. And yeah. that, that it's such a, um, that collaboration that sharing um, is, is a great part of doing this for a living. It's one of the things that I love. So yeah. I know there's other people that feel very differently, but for me, um, I, I love that collaboration. Yeah. And, and the other thing, you know, why, why wouldn't you listen? You know, why, 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 what, what is standing, you know, if, if there were three more people in the room with Mike White, he doesn't have to write any of it down, but it wouldn't kill him to hear it. Wouldn't be the end of the world for him to hear it. Agree. And I think in my career, I've been blessed to work with who I think are a couple of geniuses. And, you know, Ben Edlund. Ben is, uh, I 100% and, agree with And uh, Trey Parker yeah. Yeah. and Matt Stone. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, Trey and Matt are kind of the same person. But no, like, but, yeah. but <laughs> Trey for me, because he was the computer brain of it all. But like, they had other writers in the room. And these are people that could probably do it on their own, who also saw that although I think they're geniuses, and I think they are geniuses for sure, 
um, still saw the value in sharing the load and and being able to crack story and idea and joke or whatever with other people and recognizing that it made everything better. Um, and I think they're, yeah, I think their track record has shown their brilliance. So, yeah. um, well, and Rylan and I have even talked about, um, before about the note behind the note and how even the dumbest executive note that is a bad solution to a problem that you don't think exists a lot of times you pick it why they gave you that note. And even if, their note is, even if their note is bad and their solution is dumb, you go, well, you know, that could have been stronger. You know, if they didn't get it, why didn't they get it? And why did they come up with this weird ass reaction to it? And it's, you know, I'm writing on a show now called Bat Wheels. And it happens to us a lot that we get a note that we are like, oh, what is that even? What does that even mean? And where is that coming from? But right. then we come up with the solution and we go, well, now we have to reluctantly admit that the script is better. It's not the solution they asked for. It's not the, but they made us fix a thing that we grudgingly were willing to admit was broken yeah. after someone complained yeah. about it. Yeah. Even if the complaint was wrong. A really good creative exec or producer is an amazing team yeah. member and partner right. on projects and should never be able to be in my opinion, but little unless they suck, but like a good one is, you yeah. know, is, is great. And, and it's true. Sometimes you are this close to things and you yeah. don't see something and somebody else comes in and says, Hey, look at this. And you might not agree like you're saying, but it always is hear the note and look for the note under the note, weigh it, and then either put it aside or, you know, see what fix can work for both. Or, you know, there's, there's ways to handle notes and, and, yeah. um, you know, yeah, and some, sometimes are really stupid. They missed something. You're like, what the yeah. fuck did you catch that? But then you're like, maybe they didn't catch that because I wasn't clear enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's all of it is the collaboration yeah. with people who just want to make something good. Yeah. yeah and, the, and, the older I get, the, the more I try to not have the knee jerk resistance. It's hard. If there's, if there's a thing that I've learned that's like come with age is I used to think when I was a beginning screenwriter, I was like, well, you hired me for my opinion and you hired me to be the smartest guy in the room no you really you did not hire me to be the smartest guy in the room um and you there there's no reason to make anyone feel dumb and there's no reason to make no. even if they gave you a dumb note don't make them feel dumb no listen to what figure out why they gave you the dumb note and yeah there might be something to learn in there yeah um, i have a i have a, a motto and it has saved me for my entire career and i you know because i i landed at south park a few months after i graduated from film school and um, the quickest lesson I learned, and I think the thing that kept me there for, for six seasons was I realized the first day, it's not about me, it's about the show. This has to be done in six days. I'm never gonna be the funniest person in this room, ever. I'm never, you know what I mean? So don't try to be, what can I do right. to get the show done in six days? Cause South Park gets done in six days. So right. that was such a great lesson as a writer and every step I've taken from that first job to show running, the ego, the stuff, all of that, it doesn't fucking matter. It's about the show. And it, and then that's the same way of taking notes and stuff. Okay. Well that pissed me off, but all right, that's not about me. It's about the show. Is this what's best for the show? Right. And coming back to that time and time again, um, for me has, has stayed as my sort of North star in this business. Well, they don't get angry. In, in there, 
in there was another thing that I think is really important as a writer, which is know what makes you unique. If, especially in a writer's room, what's my, what's, what's the perspective I have that the other people in the room, what's the, there's a, I think I've talked about this before too, but uh, early on in the days of Twitter, Patton Oswalt said a thing and I'm totally paraphrasing, but it was like, he said Twitter is good because there's the low hanging fruit joke about current events that anyone can make. Right. And in order to not be the person that makes the Trump indictment joke that every other person, it forces you to dig deep into your comic persona and go, what's the joke about this that no one will make? Not what's right. the easy one, not what's the, what's the odd one. Just like the, the way that Twitter he teaches you, 300,000 people will make the low-hanging fruit joke. What is the not low-hanging fruit right. joke? What is the solution? To, and I I honestly think that's writing 101 also. Anytime you hit a situation, you go like, well, what's the trope that gets you out of this situation in every screenplay ever written? Let's not do that. And you can, right. you know, William Goldman talks about getting drunk on reversals, being so excited, but being so into reversals that no scene ever ends the way the audience expects it to end. And he's like, right. you can go too far with that. Yes. But as a first attempt of like, here's the scene, here's the scene, the way we've seen it in a thousand movies. How do I not have it turn out the way it's turned out every other time the audience has seen this scene, you know? And again, like, like Goldman said, you don't have to do that a hundred percent of the time, but always think about it. Yeah. Always think about, let's not solve this the way everyone else has solved it. What's the way no one has solved it. And that's, to me, that's the, the fundamental of the job. Every time someone says, let's go in a screenplay, the writer has failed. <laughs> you know? Or every time I'm watching an action movie and someone sees the villains and goes, we've got company. I always think no one told <clears throat> you not to do that. No one said, Oh Jesus, not anything, but we've got company guys. Yeah, I, I, I like the cop walking up onto the uh, the crime scene and going, "What do we got here?" Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's a good one. Classic, classic. Yeah, it's just there's there's got to be, you know. And I'm lucky, you know, when I read Alvira, I'm lucky because I can break the fourth wall all the time, and you know, it's a beautiful thing. There's a scene in uh, Alvira meets Vincent Price where he asks for her help with something, and she says, "Sure, I'd love to come," and he says, "Good." The refusal of the call is always just the most boring thing in any, <laughs> like, I hate the refusal of the call. It bores the crap out of me. I'm so glad we're not doing a refusal of the call. Uh, Cause it's such a, it's, it's such a poorly done cliche. 99.999% of the time, you know, yep. anyway, we should, we should wrap up. We've hit the hour mark. Um, uh, but thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you guys. Thanks for Aside having me. From, Aside from Sony in the mornings, where can people find your work or find you online? Uh, I, I'm on all the socials. Uh, I tend to go by Bat Dork because I'm a Bat Dork, Batman Dork. Um, nice. I'm on all the social media. You know the 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 shows that I've done that are out there right now, or you know Tick Preacher, South Park, of course, a bunch of other stuff coming out soon this fall. The Continental um oh. so yeah so um yeah that that's where they can find me but mostly they just, can find me on the picket line at sony for, for those listening yeah. at home 
Tick Preacher is not the name of the show, though that would be a fascinating show. Yes. I'm all in on that show. Yes. The Tick. I think that might is... actually then become The Boys somehow. Yeah. No, yeah, well, I think Tick yeah. Preacher is The Boys. Wow. Now, the Tick well. and Preacher, two different yeah. shows. Very yeah. different shows. Very, very different shows. Very entertaining, each in their own uh, each in their own right. And I encourage anyone to find them. And uh, Ryland, where can the kids at home find you? Um, as per usual, I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. If you're just listening, like uh, most of the folks out there, that is R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just kind of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. So now I have to spell it for you. Um, you will uh, find me also uh, on the picket lines. And hey, if you're out there and you're in the Los Angeles area, um, and you like good movies and good television shows and you support uh, the cause of the writer, if you're an aspiring writer, if you're just a fan, uh, come on down. Yep. Uh, uh, we got room for Alia in the boat. So come oh, on down. And, and we got signs. Yes, yeah. we have signs. And also, like, if you're not in the area and you want to support writers, not just writers, but other people in the industry who are being affected by the strike, then there's the community fund if you're willing to donate some funds to help some people um meet their bills and get some food and do all of those things where can they find the community fund is there a button for that at wga.org or um what's i don't know it you used know? to be, uh, i should have had i wish i had it off the top of my head no, i did this right. last time too but it used to be called the actors fund it's now called the yeah. hollywood community fund i believe it's called um but I, if you search for it my guess is you can find it pretty easily yeah um on all uh yeah, I think if you Google it, you can find it. I'm sorry, I should have had that ready. I did this no is the worries. second time I've done this. It, <laughs> and, and so, if you have a few dollars left after your 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 fund uh, uh, contribution, and you want some good comics, uh, go to um, thejump3.backerkit.com. Uh, that is my current backerkit site. Uh, if you missed out on the uh, the jump Kickstarter. Um, all things jump, aberrant, banjax, um, uh, suicide jockeys. It's kind of a one-stop Ryland Grant comic shop. Uh, go check out Flashing Origins uh, in your comic shop soon. A uh, couple of movies coming out later this year. Um, I'll uh, I'll update that stuff soon. But um, but yeah, uh, take us home, Avalone. Uh I have uh, Elvira in Monsterland number two, which is the Frankenstein issue coming out on. Uh, uh, a week from today, uh, 28th, and uh, other things will be coming later, other announcements. Uh, I'm in that ugly Hollywood thing where contracts have been signed and nothing can be spoken about. <laughs> but, uh, but it'll be a good summer later when all of the fires die down. Thank you for joining us for the Writer's Block. Thank you so much, Susan, for coming along Thank and talking you. to us again. And we'll see you on the next exciting episode. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.